Welcome to another edition of Highway 89, BYU Radio's live music show. Tonight with a live audience. Hi, live audience. I'm Tim Slover, and for this program, the highway turns into a rutted midnight cemetery road to passion, obsession, dark deeds, bad intentions, and love beyond the grave. In studio with us are the creators and cast of the one, the only, the amazing, the heartwarming and heartbreaking Deep Love, a ghostly folk opera. Rock operas were born as the rock and roll 1960s gave way to the glam 1970s. Eschewing as inadequately expressive the three-minute pop song, bands such as Yes and Jethro Tull began weaving story and song in album length and sometimes double and triple album length sung through extravaganzas. Musicologists marked the beginning of the true rock opera with the Who's release in 1969 of Tommy, a story about uh, it's told in thematically linked rock songs about a deaf, dumb, and blind pinball wizard. The next year saw two artists from the world of theater, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, release Jesus Christ Superstar to acclaim and controversy. And after that, it was on as talented artists embraced the potent combination of rock and theater. The Kinks in Arthur, or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, Pink Floyd in The Wall, Genesis in The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, Frank Zappa in Joe's Garage, and David Bowie in The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, about a benevolent alien who just wants to free us Earthlings from being too dull. All of which leads us to right now, in this studio, and Deep Love, a grassroots cousin of the rock operas which preceded it. Ryan Hayes and Garrett Sherwood described the scoring of this opera as music that blends traditional folk instruments and melodies with bluesy American rock. All I know is uh, I'm excited because I see a lot of instruments I like in the room. <laughs> Deep Love, a ghostly folk opera, was first performed by a handful of people in the living room of a friend. I think that friend is here with us tonight and has now grown and matured into an annual full-scale multi-city event featuring an ensemble of 25 people. It's the sort of musical tale which grew in the telling and fans come back each year to see what's new. This year, that includes two new female voices, rising stars Savannah Berry and Amy Whitcomb. The cast of Deep Love will perform an abbreviated acoustic version of the opera, complete with narration, a little later in the program. But first, let's talk with one of the two creators of Deep Love, Mr. Garrett Sherwood. Welcome, Garrett. Thank you very much, Tim. You're a spoken word poet who's won Poetry Slam competitions in Chicago, where you're from, I think. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, also, you've won in Idaho and California. Now you're a rock opera librettist. We'll get to that <laughs> second part in a minute. But about your poetry, you say that you like to write about things that go boom. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, I guess it's just my way of saying I like to, uh, to be able to move people. And being able to do it just with words is, is something that's truly amazing, which is what drew me to poetry. Well, you're originally from the Chicago area. That's true. So how'd you end up in Rexburg, Idaho, <laughs> rooming with Ryan Hayes and writing a rock opera? Um, well, I came there for school, as did he. We were both students at BYU-Idaho, and uh, music had been a passion since I was young. Uh, we met each other at a school event where we were both playing songs in our respective bands. Um, my roots are more kind of blues. Uh, he is more folk. Um, old-timey folk, 
But we both uh, gained an instant respect for each other's work, for what we did. We became friends through music. Um, a little bit after that, we uh, decided to go on a road trip together. This was his idea. I was still in school at the time. He told me, he said, hey, Garrett, let's just go play on street corners and play our songs and see what happens. And so we did, <laughs> all up and down the West Coast. Uh, after that, we were even better friends. We became roommates. Um, and it was in a January in uh, Rexburg, Idaho. If anybody has ever been in Rexburg in January, there's not much to do except stay inside. <laughs> so we stayed inside and we said, let's uh, let's do something cool. Let's have some fun. And we started to write this, this show. You know, um, you've also published a book of poetry. Yeah. Uh, it's a truly great title, Trust Falls into Wet Cement. Thank and you. I love the cat on the cover, by Thank the way. You. There's a lot of graveyard images uh, in mm -hmm. the poetry in that book. Here's one of my favorite of your vivid lines. I made headstones from my baby teeth. Mm -hmm. That's from uh, a poem called Old Mr. Blowtorch Gunshy. Yeah. How much did lines like that, how much did thinking about baby teeth coming into <laughs> headstones uh, makes it into deep love? Well, it's, I think it's a matter of um, using symbolism, similar symbolism in two different genres. A gravestone or a headstone is a powerful symbol um, of both life and death. Um, so I use it in the poetry for that. It's a, it's a symbol of some, an expression I was trying to get out there. We wrote this rock opera um, to express a lot of feelings about love and life and death. And uh, the graveyard just seemed like kind of the best fit for, for that type of situation, oddly enough. Um, and it works really well, having a love story set in a graveyard and in that scene of all that symbolism, all those headstones, and it's, it's beautiful. Do you want to give us a, uh, like a one-sentence summary of the story, or is that even possible? I'm putting you on the spot here just a little bit. Of deep love? Yeah. Whoa. One sentence is hard. Two sentences. <laughs> A compound sentence. It's the story. <laughs> it's the story of uh, a ghost and his still living love, and her attempts to to find new love and new life um, in such a dark place. That is beautifully said. That is beautifully <laughs> stated. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Garrett. Um, we're going to talk now to uh, the other co-creator. Uh, Ryan Hayes. Well, this is a treat. <laughs> it's a treat for me. I didn't know you were going to pull me up here. There we go. <laughs> um, I, I want to go a little further, if I can, just into the synopsis. Um, mm. This is what the website says. Um, Deep love is a glimpse at, uh, at life through the eyes of a young widow as she struggles to meet the demands of her deceased husband's undying love. That's what Garrett eloquently said to us. So here's my question. Sometimes undying love can be a bit of a trial? It sure can. Because, uh, you know, you think of undying love as a good thing. It's true. However, in the end, you will understand what I mean by deep love. Okay. Because, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a good hook. Yeah. Um, I understand you spread the good news of deep love by skateboard uh, in Rexburg, Idaho, a couple of years ago. What was that like? Hey, not just a couple of years ago. I am an avid skateboarder and an avid missionary for deep love and my music in general. And they, they went together. Like, oh, yes. I can, I've found a way to combine everything that I do. <laughs> I'm actually a geologist by trade. That's, I read that. And, uh, and I've been able to incorporate rock into my music as well. <laughs> you know, I was really proud of myself for not making that pun, but I'm glad, uh, glad to, one of us yeah, did now. It had to happen. <laughs> um, 
Tell us a little bit about casting this year's performances, uh, especially bringing in Savannah Berry and uh, Amy Whitcomb. Well, not many people know this, but John Lewis and I went on TV as a as a uh, an incognito duo called Midas Whale, and we did this with the sole intention <laughs> of of talking about the show uh, to a lot of important people, and uh, all the while looking. Uh, for star talent that we might be able to incorporate into the show. And I remember um, hearing Savannah, hearing lots of people on the show sing, um, and and thinking specifically of Savannah and Amy, just in terms of how great, at, at how perfect they are for the roles in this show. One of them is very meek and very innocent, while the other one is very rough and very, um, how would you describe yourself, Amy? Fierce. So you're talking about the characters, not the <laughs> not the singers, right? Though they're both. I mean, that's, that, that, honestly, honestly, they they fit the mold so well, you wouldn't even believe it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that, uh, or no, I'm gonna think about it. I'm not gonna talk about it. But uh, as uh, Ryan's going back uh, to his chair, so that we can get an extended uh, excerpt uh, from this um, wonderful uh, opera. Uh, let me just tell you that the characters in the story, um, Ryan was starting to tell us about this, Constance is played by Savannah Berry, Florence played by Amy Whitcomb, Old Bones is played by John Peter Lewis, we'll get to hear from all of those people in interview in a little while, and Friedrich played by Garrett Sherwood. So, especially excerpts version with narration of Ryan Hayes' and Garrett Sherwood's Deep Love, a ghostly folk opera. The setting for tonight's show is a moonlit cemetery. If you can just kind of close your eyes and imagine that with me. Um, however, if you're driving on the freeway, don't close your eyes and imagine that. Um, where a grieving ghost named Old Bones sings of his undying love. You know my love for you was deep. And silent as the peace I keep Beneath a world of broken dreams I reach for you bereaving and unseen Deep beneath the tangled roots are colors lie asleep Bonds of love are strong enough to keep you in my reach. Your love has rendered me a slave to keep a promise well beyond the grave. A to my love would speak, deciphered by the tears you weep the tale of lovers torn by grief and in the end you see why love is deep and here we see Constance our heroine and centerpiece of the show enter the scene She's a beautiful and tender young girl who has come to the graveside to mourn her true love, Old Bones. 
Hearing her cries, Old Bones reaffirms his vows and affection and promises to watch over Constance, though she cannot see or hear him. Look at me so cold with nothing left Afraid of life, afraid of death I feel the shroud of night repose And in my cell the cold wind blows stylish young man named Friedrich comes into Constance's life. At first she resists his advances, but by and by she feels the old revitalizing sensation of puppy love and begins to develop happiness and let it into her life again. And they begin to fall in love. There's something about today I think there may be something about this place All the lonesomeness I felt, it falls away When I feel that stranger's gaze upon my face What a difference a moment makes 
In the moment that you came, my past it falls away. Now I'm clinging to the ground as my world turns upside down. In the moment that you say to me your name, I was lost, but now I'm found. Deep in the shadows of Friedrich's murky past lurks Florence, one of his jealous and obsessive ex-lovers. She's been following Friedrich's every move and confronts him about Constance, his new young catch. She asserts that only she knows who Friedrich truly is and insists that he stop lying for the sake of love. I'll wait it all night but my bed stays cold I see through all your lies I'm not so easily is full of dark deeds, but his search for inner peace has been earnest. He's finally found a constant in his life, and she makes him actually want to be a better person. So he repents of his past life and moves along in true belief that by centering his life around Constance, his soul would be safely reclaimed. They fall deeper in love, and Friedrich proposes that they be together forever. 
fits perfectly in mine and time will barely pass as I find your lips flush against mine and I'm much more yours than mine if this is how it feels to die This whole time, Old Bones has been watching jealously as his true love forgot her promises to him in favor of another. Suffice it to say, he is not pleased. In a state of ghostly indignation, he appears to Constance in a vision and rebukes her for being so fickle-hearted. Then, to make sure that she remain constant to him, he threatens to harm young Friedrich if she will not have the decency to leave him. My love, how could you soon forget your promises? Sweet love, our love grows cold as though you slay it daily. My love, it's not your eyes that fail you, sweet love, your very heart betrays you, and what you say my soul intend to, if your heart remains untrue, what a shame to hide. Put me through 
spite of every vow you've made. I pray be wise and mind your lies. Gee, that was almost as good as the real thing. I like to remind everybody that we actually do this with a full orchestra and, and uh, percussion and rock band. Um, this is the first time we've actually done it with narration. Um, and this is a bullet points version. Uh, getting back to our story. Constance, fearing for the life of Friedrich, decides it is better to leave him than to risk the wrath of old bones and endanger his life. So she writes him a letter and states simply that she does not deserve him. Friedrich is devastated and vows never to love again. Stepped into the dark unknown And offered you my weary bones To seal the vow I made before And rest beside you evermore And growing colder in the night my voice accepts your savage plight That if from loving I abstain My living love will be unscathed Suffer love again. As Friedrich struggles to understand what Constance could not rightly explain, he retires to his thinking place by the sea, and Old Bones follows. Old Bones ruthlessly taunts him and causes him to doubt all that he once believed about life and love. Maybe Florence was right. It was just all a lie for love. Constancy, a virtue you like 
you leech from her just to bury your past. You demand that she constant remain when tis you consistently change. True love as you have defined it excludes the very love that you seek. Prompted by faith, I tried to change my ways and tread the narrows of belief. Never again, I wear my armor thin by trusting something I can't see. Friedrich finds himself on the edge of a cliff. He's heartbroken and despondent. Now then, more than ever, he needs a friend, wouldn't you say? <laughs> These guys are always laughing at me because I'm just making up bits as I go along. Um, but all he feels in this moment is the icy wind and the cold indifference of old bones compelling him forward. Cards dance be gone. You're a liar You pledged me your heart You set my on fire Forever in my fingers I'm not a fool, no, I'm not a fool, no, if I'm to go to hell in solitude, you're going to, you know, you're going to, yeah. Like it began, gone, 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 and the blood comes out. Friedrich is now dead. Sorry, folks, there's no way to put that lightly. <laughs> Um, he's dead and uh, Constance is indirectly to blame and Constance is naturally grief stricken at the news 
but she knows that it was the trickery of old buns that directly caused Friedrich's death. So this time, she renounces any loyalty to Bones, uh, which again makes him angry. Meanwhile, Florence, on the other side, is uh, inconsolable. Then old Bones hears her weeping and rushes in to offer his twisted advice. Ain't it just a shame his body scattered on the waves No one, no one Will ever take what's mine Without some price to pay No one, no one I've just one card left to play To bring my love back to me at the crossroads of a great ghostly conundrum, or pickle, if you will. What measures will Florence and Old Bones take to exact revenge upon Constance? How will Constance respond to her assailants? Will the power of love be strong enough to save them all? Well, come to deep love and see for yourself. In the end, you'll see why love is deep.
I'm Tim Slover, and this is Highway 89. Well, as, uh, as Ryan noted, in concert, Deep Love runs to two hours of continuous music. Uh, but today, this uber-talented cast has been good enough to perform a special abbreviated acoustic version live in studio with, uh, with a studio audience. So it's a case of supernatural folk, rock, thriller, meets Unplugged House Concert. I think it went really well. I, did, I think you guys should think about sometime just doing it Unplugged. Doing, like doing Raiders Theater? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that teasing narration uh, that lets us yeah. know we don't know what's yeah. going to happen in the end. Uh, well, standing uh, opposite me right now is uh, the man who sang Old Bones, um, 
John Peter Lewis uh, highs and lows and soft yeah. and loud and yeah. and gravelly and sweet. That's amazing work. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty difficult part to sing. I'll be honest. It's it's challenged me uh, considerably. <laughs> well, my understanding now, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but without your living room. Mm-hmm. There may never have been a public performance of, of this opera. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Um, what was that living room concert like? It was a lot of fun, actually. It was. Uh, it was very. Um, I mean, it was. It was kind of like we. There, there needed to be something at, at the end of, of like of the, all the writing and all of the, um, just the planning of doing the show. There needed to be some sort of end goal, and so. Um, it was fun. There were a lot of friends there and uh, a lot of excitement and encouragement afterward. And, and I think that's just why we can have continued to do it. Okay. I'm noting the we there. So what I want to know is after you provided the first venue, yeah. how did you get involved? Where did you step in? Well, I actually was, uh, I was singing in my own living room with, along with these guys. So, I mean, I was, I, when Ryan, when they talked about doing a rock opera, I mean, I had, I had, was, I was kind of in the circle of, of trust, I suppose. People had told me that that there that there was going to be a rock opera, that they were writing a rock opera. And Ryan originally wrote the part of Old Bones for himself. And uh, as and, writers often do. As writers often do. I think I think Garrett and Ryan were writing parts for themselves and Ryan came to me and I think he just preferred not singing it and having someone else do it. And um, which is I think rare in in a writer. Frankly, it's just to have somebody else do it. But uh, yeah, he asked me to be part of it. And when he played me the the music uh, for the first time, I should even back up because when they first told me that they were going to write a rock opera, they my my response to them was good luck with that. You know, because <laughs> like, because I thought I was very skeptical about it. I mean, I I had I, I felt like I understood what it would take to write one, and I thought it was just a monumental undertaking. Six months later, they come to me and they say, Hey, we've got you know, we hear some music and they play it for me, for me. And I was just floored by what I'd heard and, and thought it was an incredible. And, and that was when we started to make plans to, to do more with it. Okay. Just stepping back for a minute. Yeah. Today we saw the whole thing with two acoustic guitars for accompaniment. Yeah. Tell us what, when it's in concert, the full forces are like. Uh, it's, <laughs> it is very powerful. When, when you have all of the instruments uh, because you can have we'll break it down just to like a solo violin at, at, at parts to accompany a singer or you'll have you know everything coming, choral coming at part. you there aren't any choral parts we, okay. there were I think at one of the shows years ago but it became a little complicated so we that, that hit the chopping block but okay. uh, but there were uh, but when you've got like the rock band and you've got the brass and you've got the percussion and everything just coming straight at you with all the vo- the vocals, it it's very very emotional, very powerful wow. in spots. Yeah. Okay, just one other question. Uh, you and Brian also play together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, and you were on the Voice. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I saw the clip. I know the Voice. The whole <laughs> idea is you try to get people to turn their chair to sure. pay attention to uh-huh. you, which just must be terrible to sing to the back of chairs. Yes, and it some is. people get one chair, and some people. But you got four, all four chairs. Turned I know. Around. Surprises. What's happened. that moment? Um, it it was um, it was one of those things that. Well, what most people don't know is that we actually had gone, that we had gone twice. Uh, like the first time we per- we sang for the judges and our my microphone wasn't working. So I'm we're singing to the back of these four chairs and 
my and only they're only hearing a harmony part and an accordion they're not hearing the melody of the song and so you know before anybody could turn around so, uh, you know one of the producers just kind of beelined for the the celebrity coaches and uh, stopped them from turning around and said that we had to reset and do it again so we let we left the stage and we came back on the stage and we did it all over again and so i think you could say that we are probably one of the very few people if not the only um people to know what it's like on that television show to have no chairs turn around and all four <laughs> that's fantastic thank you very much yeah, um pleasure. can we uh can we talk to savannah now can you can you make your way over here this is the easy part uh right because yeah. you've done all the hard part you've done the singing um i want to ask you something before we talk about this and your role in this opera can you talk a little a little bit about singing silent night without you Yes, I can. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, I actually, I just recorded this back in, well, it was July 2013, and now we're coming upon Christmas, but um, Christian Bush, who is part of the duo of Sugarland, um, actually produced the song, and I wrote it like one rainy summer day, and I knew that I wanted to do something special with it, and so um, I actually met John and Ryan on The Voice season four when I was also on the season, and um you know, after I got, you know, off the show, which was sad, but still led to great opportunities. Um, I actually tweeted Christian Bush because I had gotten to actually sing with him when I was 16. I got to sing a duet with Sugarland um, just because they found me on YouTube, which was crazy. So it's music has definitely been very, a very exciting and spontaneous thing for me. But um, so I tweeted him. I was like, hey, well, since I'm off the show now, I was like, you know, I've got a project I'd love to work with you on if you're interested. Just totally taking a risk. And, um, you know, he responded and he was like, yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Email my manager. And I sent him the stuff. And I had no idea that he is like a Christmas fanatic. Like he is like Christmas themed. And he writes five to six Christmas songs every year. And so when he heard the song, he was like, she knows the way to my heart. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So it was really cool. <laughs> it was really fun. And um, now this Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, just the very best part about the song is that we got it recorded. It's on iTunes now. But the best part is um, for anyone who goes to buy the song, all the profit goes to help reunite military families for Christmas. Yeah. So that's that's the best part. That's really tremendous. Thank you. Um, so you're playing Constance. Yes. <laughs> What's it like to come into this production? My understanding is that this uh, has built-in fans. And you're sort of the new person, one of the new people. Was that a problem, did, or did they embrace you? Did they say, yes, you're now part of the deep love family? They're so loving. They're embracing, definitely. Okay. But, um, I mean, yeah, definitely at first when they told me, like, hey, we have a rock opera you want, we want you to sing in, I'm like, a what? <laughs> so, I mean, I was, like John, a little skeptical at first, but I loved both of them so much. I was like, yeah, I'm in. And then once they sent me all the music and the storyline of the whole show and I listened to it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really good. <laughs> so um, I was just even more excited to be a part of the show. And um, I love playing the role of Constance. I think it's a very fun role to play. Okay. Thank you. What a fantastic performance. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. <laughs> um, Amy. Amy. Like Savannah, you've done some pretty heavy-duty competitive singing yes, uh, on The I Voice have. and also on The Sing-Off. I loved your rendition of House of the Rising Sun. Oh, thank you. I didn't know chicks could sing that song, actually. <laughs> so that was really good. Um, when, do, how, do they get the music to you like 10 minutes before you have to sing? On uh, The Voice? 
Yeah, on either of those. Uh, well, the sing-off was really, really quick preparation. We had about a week to throw an arrangement together and then to perform it and try to be perfect, which never happened. Um, but with the voice, it depended. Some rounds we had the song and we were just sitting on the song for like months at a time, you know, trying to decide what we wanted to do with it. Um, and then other times we did get it a couple weeks before. Um, it's interesting how that works. The production schedule can be very strange, and, and, and it was for us especially on season four and you just have to learn the music and plunge in yeah for the most part i think you it's a bit of a negotiation what songs you are singing so you would technically i would think ask you know ask to sing a song that you already know uh, and maybe have sung before um just so you can be your best but but that did not always work out for everyone right okay so now you're singing a bad girl role. <laughs> I mean, do you ever, you, in your secret heart, are you longing to be Constance or are you okay with bad girl so, role? So there's a few songs that she sings that I'm jealous of, but I think that works. Then I just channel it into my role because I'm, <laughs> I'm so jealous of her all the time. Um, no, this is right up my alley. Angry girl music has just... I'd, I've always had a thing for that. So it's perfect. When they told me, they're like, you're going to play the jilted lover that is really angry and she wails and screams. And I was like, done. So that works. So works <laughs> and for if me. you don't do it, we're getting Tina Turner. <laughs> wow. It, it was fantastic. I mean, again, I'm just so, I, as a non-musician, I'm, I'm um, really impressed by the range and what all you can, the things you can do with a couple of instruments and the instruments of your voices. It's just been fantastic. But sadly, it's now time to wrap up this special edition of Highway 89. What a fantastic time we've all had. Would you agree, live audience? Yes, thank you. <laughs> our guests have been, in addition to our wonderful live audience, the creators and stars of Deep Love, a ghostly folk opera. Thank you, Ryan Hayes. Thank you, Garrett Sherwood. Thank you, Savannah Berry. And thank you, Amy Whitcomb. And thank you, John Peter Lewis, for your wonderful performances. Thanks especially for creating this special excerpt version of Deep Love with narration for Highway 89. I remind you that, uh, as Ryan reminded you, uh, that it's possible to uh, see uh, the full version uh, of this uh, in many cities. Ryan Hayes and Garrett Sherwood started their epic endeavor in 2010, co-writing the story and music and performing it for the first time in John Peter Lewis's living room, as we heard today. Today, the show is a major theatrical production, an annual multi-city event. You can find concert information, send love notes to the cast, and get the T-shirt at deeploveopera.com. Deep Love Opera, of course, all one word, dot com. We're always glad to hear from you, our listeners. We welcome your comments and questions on the BYU Radio Facebook page or the Highway 89 Twitter account. Also by email at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a live music show that originates in the studios of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and the show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Tim Slover. Thanks for listening. <laughs>